time for that song. That is a powerful song and really is a prayer that um, just pray that God would sort of seal in our hearts today. All right, real quick, how many of you are gamers? Don't be afraid to admit it. Um, how many of you are gamers, or at least occasionally you're a gamer? There's a few of you. We're going to start a little Gamers Anonymous this afternoon. We'll join. My, my family, we're gamers. We, we are gamers through and through. Um, we are gamers of the Candyland sort. When, when Candyland is going on at the McCray household, there is no shortage of drama in Gilbert, Arizona whatsoever, because we get into our Candyland, and, and my three kids, they love their Candyland. They're, they're pretty competitive, pretty feisty, and, and the funny thing about Candyland is this, or at least in our household, at the start, everybody's, everybody's on good terms. We're on speaking terms, at least. Uh, we like each other at the start. And, and at the start, we all have hopes. We all have expectations of how the, the game's going to turn out. And, and that expectation is, I, I'm going to win. So after we're through fighting with, I go first. No, I go first. I want to be the blue guy, but I want to be the blue guy. After we get through with that, we're, we're all thinking, hey, I'm going to win this game. Pretty excited about that. And so it is at a new year. It's, it's, it's one of those kind of things that we have New Year's resolutions. We have hopes and dreams of, of how the next year is going to turn out. We're at the start. It's like um, starting out a marriage. Uh, ten years ago, almost ten years ago, when Holly and I were, were getting prepared for marriage, I was so excited because we were at the beginning of this journey. I had all these hopes and dreams because I, I was I was so excited that finally my life was going to be easier. <laughs> what happened? What happened? Or, or it's the new job. You get a new job and you're so full of hopes and, and, and now you're finally getting to do something that you love and you're, you're just thankful for it or at least you're getting paid to work. And so you're thankful for the job. You're at the start. You're at the start. But as we play Candyland, you know, we draw a card, start moving a little bit, making a little progress. Somebody else gets the yellow square, move one yellow, we move a little bit more. But then in our house, inevitably somebody lands on the black dot. Who knows what that means? You're stuck. You're stuck. You're like in gumdrop mountains and you're stuck. You're in lollipop forest and you're stuck. And the frustration begins to leak out a little bit. That's not fair. I don't want to be stuck. Everybody else gets to keep moving. Why do I have to be stuck? I'm like, Holly, my wife, calm down, please, baby. <laughs> Just kidding. Kids, 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 calm down, calm down. You won't be stuck forever. They're stuck. It's, it's, it's the marriage that started out so strong. Things begin to go a little bit wrong. It's the job that we thought was so full of hope starts to feel like a dead-end street. We're stuck, but, but we don't stay stuck forever. Eventually, somebody gets unstuck, and, and, you, and you keep moving a little further, and you're going, and you're going, and you're making progress. You feel like things are working out, and then it happens. Do you know what I'm talking about? The worst news a candy can, Candyland player could ever get the candy cane from Peppermint Forest. You've made all this progress. You're going in the right direction. And all of a sudden you get this. And it's way, 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 way back almost to the very beginning. And at this point, my kid's frustration begins to boil over and, and things like this are heard. That's not fair. I quit. I H-A-T-E Candyland. Because they can't say hate. I H-A-T-E Candyland. 
I'm through with it. I'm through with it. All hope is gone because they've landed. They went back. It's, it's when the marriage is no longer just stuck or the job is just a dead-end street. It's where the marriage is over. The job is over. Is there hope? What's going on? There's pain. and Is all hope really lost? It's, it's me going back to my kids and saying, okay, look, you're stuck or you're, you've made this huge backtrack. Look at me, kids. Don't, don't look at the game for a second. Look at me. Who holds the cards? Now, I know this is not how you play Candyland, but I peek usually before I flip. Kids, kids, wait, wait, wait. Who holds the next move in their hand? I do. Can you trust me? Can you trust me? So is it that relationship that's gone bad, it's that, that job, it's, it's that pain, it's that struggle. And it's almost like God's saying, wait, wait. Take your eyes off your circumstance. God says, look at me, look at Jesus. All hope's not gone. It's not over, it's not over. There, there, there may be a purpose through the pain. There may be hope and peace in the middle of even what feels like a great trial. Don't give up, hang in there. And we're going to look at a story today in, in the book of John where the disciples are in a, a process sort of like this and Jesus is continuing to teach them and reveal to them things and, 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 and they're in this process where they were at a starting line, they're going through some pain and how does it all work out? If you have a Bible, turn to John real quick. The book of John is about three-fourths of the way through uh, the Bible. Um, if you find the New Testament, there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all four of these are sort of accounts from different guys' perspective of the, the life and ministry of Jesus. So John's about three-fourths of the way. We're going to be in chapter 16. So if you want to know where John chapter 16 is, it's, it's right after chapter 15. You're welcome. thought I could help you out a little bit today. But, but John is a unique book because John has a, has a very clear purpose in the book. He is talking about Jesus in a way that he is, he is showing that Jesus really is God come to earth. He, he's the son of God who has came to seek and to save those who are lost. And so over and over again, John is trying to prove this point that Jesus is who he says he is. And the disciples have a unique insight into this because they're able to see Jesus do some amazing things. They're able to hear Jesus teach some incredible things. So for instance, when Jesus is, is teaching and he stands up and he says, God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, and Jesus is like, that's me. That whoever believes will not perish, but have everlasting life. That's me. The disciples heard him say that. They, they heard him teach, and, and the religious leaders were amazed at his wisdom because he was like God himself speaking. People were longing to hear more of his teaching. The disciples heard this with their very own ears. The disciples saw Jesus do amazing things. The disciples were there at a wedding when, when the wedding ran out of wine and, and they brought these big pitchers of water and, and, and Jesus turned it in the water into wine. They were there when a blind man came to Jesus and Jesus healed him, gave him his sight and they were there when this guy was dead and Jesus somehow miraculously brought him back to life. They were there when there were over 5,000 people hungry because the day had been long and there was nothing to eat. And the little boy in his bag lunch had five loaves of bread, little loaves of bread, and two little fish. And Jesus said, I'll 
multiply the food. They saw it. They touched the bread and the fish. They were there. Yet somehow, over and over again, the disciples seemed to miss it. Miss who Jesus was, not understand who he was. So in the middle of the teaching here in in chapter 16, Jesus is revealing more about who he is. The disciples interject in verse 29. Pick it up there. Then Jesus' disciples said, Now you are speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. Okay, there's a word repeated a few times there uh, in the Greek. Um, It was originally written in Greek. And the disciples say this, Now, now, Jesus, in the middle of this teaching that you're doing now, now we're beginning to recognize and believe that you are who you say you are. Now we're we're coming to this place of faith. and, and, And it's almost like they're saying we're at the starting line of faith. We're at the starting line of believing in you. Because of what you're saying, we've got some answers to our questions. We've got a little bit of direction. We think we know how this thing's going to turn out. And the disciples say, now we believe. Now we believe. Jesus responds in a a direct way in verse 31, and he says, Oh, you believe it last. And in the, the Greek, this original language, Jesus says this, Now you believe? Now you believe? What about when you were in the middle of a storm and the waves were crashing in your boat and the wind was blowing and I came walking on the water? Now you believe? You heard me teach, you, you saw me do great things, but now you think you understand? Jesus is not mad, he's not bashing them, he's probing a little bit deeper to say, oh really? Oh, okay, I understand. Now that you're at the start here, and you think you have some clarity, you think you know where life's going, now you think you believe. Oh, okay, I get it. Now you believe. Look how Jesus continues, verse 32. But a time is coming and has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. Jesus says, now you believe. Okay, really? Oh, really? Now you believe. But let me just warn you, there's a time coming, and you're going to be scattered. That word literally means you're going to fly in all directions. It's it's to be driven by impulses. Whether the impulse is, is fear, that's what happened to the disciples. Because just a a chapter or two later, Jesus is um, betrayed by a friend. He's unjustly arrested. He's condemned, and he dies on a cross. When all of this happens and all of this breaks loose, the disciples scatter. They go in every direction because they're afraid for their life. So a guy like Peter who had said adamantly, I will never deny you, Jesus. When the pain, the fear came, I don't know Jesus. I don't know who that man is. Not once, not twice but three times. And Jesus is giving that warning to the disciples. Guys, you're going going to be scattered. You're going to fail me. You're going to go through trouble and not handle it well. It's a reality that's coming. It's Peter walking on water. Another example of that. Do you remember the story of Peter? Jesus walking on water, and he comes in, in the middle of the storm, and, and the disciples are amazed. They're, they're scared to death because this storm is violent, and they're fishermen. They're men of the sea, but, but there's something about this storm that scares them to death, and all of a sudden, they see Jesus walking, and, and 
Now they're not scared of the storm. They're scared of this strange person walking on water in the middle of the storm. But Peter recognizes it's Jesus, and he says, Jesus, let me come. Let me walk on water, too. And Jesus says, come on. So Peter does, focused on Jesus, eyes on Jesus. He steps out of the boat onto the water. Takes another step. He's focused on Jesus. Something happens. And he takes his eyes off of Jesus, and he begins to look at how big the waves are and how strong the wind is. And what happens? He sinks. It's that same thing of me with my kids saying, don't put your eyes on where you're at. Look at me. Trust me. Jesus says, hey, Peter, don't focus on the circumstance. Stay focused on me because here's the good news that Jesus gives. He gives a warning. You, you are going to be scattered. You're going to run. You're going to fail me. But look at verse 33. The first part of that verse says this. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. So Jesus tells the disciples, you're going to fail me. You're going to run out of fear. You're going to, to, to fall short of, of, of the plans and the hopes that you had for your life. The plans that you have here at the start are not going to work out quite like you, like you thought they were. And, and, and you're going to fail me. And I want to tell you this ahead of time so that you're not racked with guilt and shame. Or so that in the middle of your pain you don't think, Wow, what's God doing? Is he out of control? No, he's not out of control. He told you it was going to happen. Jesus says, I want to tell you these things ahead of time because in the middle of your failure or in the middle of your pain, I want you to remember this. In me, you can have peace. Not in your circumstance, not in your failures, not in your your hard Hard situations of life, but in me you can have peace. Jesus says, in in me you can have peace. That's beyond anything this world can imagine. I don't know how the holidays were for you. You know, most of you probably were able to celebrate Christmas Eve, Christmas, New Year's, all of that. Um, I had the privilege of hanging out in Phoenix Children's Hospital with my wife and daughter for a while. A few of the, the probably the worst days we've, we've even had in the last six months um, were right around the holidays. So you had Christmas Day, then my daughter's birthday is the day after Christmas, and then New Year's. That whole stretch of time, she was miserably sick. And one night, I finally um, talked my wife into to going to get some rest outside of the hospital, and, and I just stayed with Kate. And there was just one of those surreal moments where um, in the middle of... Um, her throwing up and me holding the bowl in the middle of me having to force medicine down her mouth and, and wrestle with that in the middle of the chemotherapy being uh, injected or whatever, in the middle of all these machines that endlessly go beep, 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 all night long, all day long. She was asleep and I just looked at her and there was just that time of where I was praying. And there was this sense of peace and this sense of, of God just sort of almost whispering, saying, I'm in control. Trust me. I'm in control through your pain. It doesn't mean the pain's going to go away, but you can still trust me with the pain. And there was that moment of peace, and, and it was a peace that passes all understanding, as the Bible said. And it was there, and it's, it, it's available. And, but the reality is, 
We don't always experience that because we look at our circumstance. But Jesus says, if you'll look at me, in me you can have peace. And he's graciously reaching out to us in the middle of our trial. Look, look what he says. In me you will have peace, but the middle part of verse 33. In Jesus you can have peace, but in this world you will have trouble. It, it's not a, there's a 50-50 shot. It's not, if, if you're really good, then your odds improve. It's like 30-70. It's 100%. You will have trouble. Not if, when. Not, not that we're going to stay at the start and, and everything's always going to be good, but as you're going through life, there are going to be days of pain. There are going to be times of struggle. There are going to be the hard days. And we just have to know that ahead of time. And Jesus says, you, you, you've got to know this, that in, in this world, you will have trouble. You will have trouble. And, and, and most of us know people who have, who have been through heartbreaking situations. We, we've seen them endure. And, and we've seen some people who come through these dilemmas and they almost come through looking stronger. They've, they've got something about them, peace or, or joy or whatever. Not that they like what they're going through, but they, they endure strong. But there's others who we see and, and you can see despair. You can see hopelessness. You've heard them say or maybe you've said things like, this just isn't fair. It's not right. And if this is how God chooses to work, I don't want anything to do with a God like that. You've heard them say things like, I quit, forget it. I can't trust a God who would allow this to happen. You've, you've heard that despair come through because they just can't handle the trial. Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble. And here's the thing that, that I try to figure out. It baffles me. In different areas of life, this makes perfect sense to us, that through the struggle comes strength. In different arenas of life, it, it makes perfect sense to us. For instance, those of you who for Christmas got a gym membership and your new resolution is tomorrow to start going to the gym, little piece of advice. When, when the, the, the guy or the, the lady is over there and they're doing curls and they're struggling, you don't run up to them and say, stop, don't hurt yourself. That, that, that looks painful. Stop doing that. Why? Every one of us understands that it's through the struggle that strength comes. It's through the pain that there's gain. We understand that perfectly when it comes to working out. Why do we have such trouble understanding? Why are we surprised by pain in life? By thinking that God just may allow pain to come. Not that he causes it or puts it on it, but he may allow it. For a purpose, for strengthening, to actually accomplish something. Some of you know that through this process with our daughter, we've had some pretty unique opportunities. Um, for whatever reason, God is using her story to touch um, hearts all over the world, all over the United States. Um, as weird as it still sounds to me to this day, we actually had Dr. Phil come to Gilbert, Arizona and sit in our living room and interview us. We had a local reporter come and interview us. And, and she asked this question. Uh, you're going through a, a, a tough time. She said, do you ever just find yourself along with other people just saying, why? 
Why me? Why us? Why our daughter? Why? And, and I responded, and, and by the way, I, I wish they would have actually aired my response, but I figured out that when you give interviews, you don't always get what you want to come through on the interview. But this is what I said. I said, honestly, we're not really trapped by that why question because it's just that. It's a trap. There's no good answer. How could I have an explanation to why my daughter gets cancer? That really makes sense. A better question is why not us? Because it is true that in this world, all of us have trouble. There's people hurting all over this world. Everywhere we go, people are hurting. People are struggling in different ways. We're living it out of a hospital where people, their hurt is, is really acute. You can see it. But everywhere we go, people are hurting. So why not us? We're not any different than anybody else. But here's the reality we have to deal with. And I told this reporter, I said, we have to stay focused that God is faithful no matter what happens. That God will not fail us and that he's in control even if our life seems to be spinning out of control. And I told her, we're trying to do our best to faithfully follow him step by step through this. I thought it was a pretty good answer. And she said, oh, okay. And I just looked at my wife and I thought, she doesn't get it. She probably thinks I'm crazy. She probably thinks, who is this wacko? And where did, what planet did he come from? But, but I'm standing on the truth. And Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble. But listen, he, he doesn't leave it there. It's not like Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble. End of my lesson. See you later. In this world you will have trouble. Look at the, the rest of that verse. But take heart. Take heart, I have overcome the world. What in the world is he talking about? But take heart, in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your struggle, take heart. Let me tell you what he's not saying. He's not saying try harder to look into the face of that problem, to stand up to your problem, and be strong and be brave and fight your way through it. Because there are some problems in life that are too big. They're too hard. They're too tough. How can I and how can my wife, how can our family stand up in the midst of this tumor, stand up to the prognosis, the statistics they give us, and say, oh, okay, we're just going to be strong when all of our world is falling apart? My wife and I sit in a hospital room occasionally, and we, we talk about, I, I just don't know if I can take it anymore. This is so hard. This hurts so much. And then we get emails from people who, they're, they're trying to be helpful. They're trying to be encouraging. They say, we're praying for you. And they say things like this. Just trust that God will not put more on you than you can bear. There's only one big problem with that. When they say the Bible says God will not put more on you can bear, there's one problem. It's not in the Bible. The Bible doesn't say that. God will put more on you than you can bear. God will allow you to go through things that are more difficult than you have the strength to endure. God will ask you to do things in life that are beyond your capability so that you have to rely on his ability. God will put you in positions where you can't do it on your own, so you have to say, I can't do it. But I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He'll put you in places because he'll fulfill 
passages like this. When we are weak, then we are strong. He doesn't say anywhere, it doesn't say anywhere in the word, God won't put more on you than you can bear. What the scripture says that people are, are, are not quite getting right is 1 Corinthians 10, Paul writes, no temptation has overtaken you except for what is common to man. With every temptation, God is faithful and with every temptation, he'll give you a way out. But that's not saying that God will not put more on you can bear. God will allow you to be stressed out beyond what you can bear so that you turn to him, so that you trust him and find that he is completely capable, completely faithful all the way through, all the way through. So in the last six months, as we're sitting there at, at different times and we're looking into a fight that's bigger than anything we could have ever imagined. We can't look into that situation and take heart. We have to take our eyes off of that and put them on to God, to stand on his promises, to trust him. It's like, there again, my kids with Candyland. In the middle of their either frustration or just they're ready to give up because they think they've landed on the candy cane and peppermint forest and everything's gone. All hope is lost. It's too late. There's nothing. Well, kids, who holds your cards? Who's holding the next move in their hand? Can you trust me? Can you trust me? God's reminded us of that time and time and time again through this journey. When, when we want to be overwhelmed with bad news, when we want to be overwhelmed with what's going on, God says, wait a minute. Put your eyes on me. Put your eyes on Christ. This verse says, take heart. Because Jesus says, I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. You can have peace in the middle of the storm because Jesus has overcome the world. The Bible tells us that when he was crucified on a cross and he died, he also was raised back to life. And through his resurrection, conquered death, hell, and the grave so that no matter what we face in earth, we can have hope. No matter what odds we have, this world is not everything. It doesn't end here. We can have hope. So in the middle of a trial like what we're going through, we can take heart and know God is still faithful. But here's the reality. None of us, myself included, we're not assured what the next steps are. Here we are at a place in life, and I'm in the middle of a trial, and I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's true. In your worst storm, in the worst fight, struggle of your life, you can take heart because Christ has overcome the world. But that doesn't mean things are going to get easier necessarily. It doesn't mean all your problems are then solved. We're six months into our journey. Finished up the fifth round of chemo for my daughter. In the next seven to ten days, my daughter will get an MRI. And I would just ask you to pray for that. Because how that comes back determines the course. We don't know, we don't know how it's going to turn out. We don't know what it's going to look like. But we have to stay focused on Christ through it all. He has overcome whatever that means, wherever that takes us, wherever he leads. He's still faithful. He's still in control. He's still God. 
And sometimes you can't explain what peace in the midst of that kind of storm is. But let me just say it's available. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know the trials that you're in. But I just want to try to encourage you to say, whatever it is, do not become obsessed by looking at the circumstance or the situation. You have to focus on Christ. You have to see him. You have to know that he loves you, that he's reaching out to rescue you in the middle of your pain. Not to deliver you from the pain, but to lead you step by step through the pain. Because Jesus says, take heart, I have overcome the world. And then he responds in John, 1 John chapter 5, and this is what John writes. The same John that's writing this wrote, For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. He asks again, who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. See, we go back to this faith that, that, that is only based on everything going well. It's circumstantial. The disciples have it. We, we, we all have it sometimes at different points because we're obsessed by our circumstance. Take our eyes off the circumstance because then good, bad, whatever comes, Christ is still faithful. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I pray that you would take heart. I pray that 2010 would be a year for, for all of us that we would take heart. We would be strong and courageous. We would be full of hope, not in what's going on around us, but in a God who never fails. Let me pray for us. Lord, we love you and we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that the story doesn't end with, in this world you will have trouble. But there's the encouragement and there's the, the good news that peace is possible and we can be strong, we can take heart because you have overcome the world. And, and whatever pain we're, we're dealing with today, God, I pray that we would let it go. We wouldn't hold on to it. We wouldn't be bound by it. We would release it. That you would set us free this morning. And you would give us that overcoming life. You would give us that ability to endure. And you would be honored and glorified. God, I just want to pray for the, the man or the woman who's struggling. the family that's experiencing chaos. I pray that the circumstances would not overwhelm them because they're so focused on you that they would walk step by step by step obediently through this journey and God that you would be honored that you would give them peace through the midst but you would also give them overcoming life as they walk with you. Our hope's in you. We turn to you. Be honored, be glorified. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.